This is the Eminem Planet Podcast, episode 76. I am your host, Joel Lambadon. Thank you for joining me on this never-ending quest to figure out how to teach better. Today on the podcast, we're talking about celebrations. I'm flying solo, and we're talking celebrations. I'm flying solo, and we're talking about math celebrations. Some of you might be thinking, what the heck? Math celebration, what is that? Well, we're going to get into that in just a sec. Well, and really what we're doing in this podcast, I want to talk about a publication uh, that I created that just came out. Oh, created. I created it like 10 years ago, 11, longer than that, maybe 11 years ago. And it just now is getting published. So it's, it's, we're playing the long game here, folks. And I want to talk about the experience. I want to talk about what led to the publication. I want to talk about some of the contributions that folks added to it along the way and some of the lessons I learned in finally getting this piece out. And specifically, it's uh, called Math Celebration, Using Assessment to Foster Relationships Between Students and Mathematics. And I wrote it uh, as part of my dissertation, but then needed some improvement on it to help me get it out there. And so I w- working with um, Ann Monroe, my colleague and uh, frequent podcast podcast guest here on the Amazon Planet podcast and my co-host for the Teacher's Journey podcast. We might be going through some rebranding on that. But anyway, right now it's called the Teacher's Journey. Uh, also, Dr. Eric Avent uh, helped out as well by... Uh, just putting a fine tooth comb through this thing and doing a lot of questioning of what I was trying to say within the article. And then Scarlett McCombs, uh, while she was a master's student here at the university, um, just was the engine to finally get this back out into the world. So um, yeah, this manuscript was one of three articles I put as part of my dissertation. So I kind of had a non-traditional sort of dissertation when it, that I did at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. We had a, um, like a lit review article, a research article, and then a practitioner article. And this celebrations piece was a practitioner article that I had written and uh, submitted to the journal Kappa Delta Pi record um, back in 2012 and it got rejected in 2012. So 10 years later, it's, uh, it got reshaped and finally published, uh, which is, I, I, I'm still kind of in shock that it took that long to happen, but guess what? You know, you're being persistent. Um, but I'd like to talk about this article because there's a lot of things that a lot of lessons that I learned, uh, in the creating and, uh, reshaping and getting out there, but then also too, and just the content within it, um, and what led to that, that kind of, there's a lot of lessons there to learn and lots of connections to things that have happened in my past, some lessons I've learned from mentors and, and just what it means to kind of take a lesson, actually apply it and keep refining it. Um, and so we're going to get into that. All right. Um, if you're looking for this article, I'll put a link to it. Um, it's behind a paywall, but, uh, but there's ways that you can, um, get access to it in other ways, but also too, that's kind of why we put out this podcast is kind of go through some of those things. Not, not a lot of people want to go out and read an article. Maybe if you're a member of Kappa Delta Pi and you get the record, which is great. Maybe it's in a teacher's lounge near you, but otherwise we'll kind of go through some of the main highlights here and, and then, um, we'll give the citation and everything, but, um, Regardless, here we go. We want to go into some lessons. So again, this article was on math celebrations. And so you've already, if you've listened to this podcast at all, 
one of the most popular episodes that I've had is with Joe Dye. He was my cooperating teacher when I was a student teacher back in the year 2000, I think. Something like that. Yeah, I was a, it was my first time student teaching in Wisconsin. We did two rounds of full semester student teaching at two different schools. And so this was my first time being a kind of a full-time teacher. We had a methods class, but really from uh, the day that school started at Janesville Parker High School until the end of that semester, I was assigned to that school. I was an acting teacher under the supervision of Joe Dye. Joe Dye was the department chair. He was also the head football coach. Um, he let me um, be a coach with him, but he also just took me, he coached me as a teacher, as a math teacher, as a, as a human, um, and was one of the most, imp- hands down, one of the most important people in my life in shaping who I am, uh, not only as a, as a teacher, but as a person. And hopefully if you go back and we'll put a link to it in the show notes of my episode with him, uh, recorded teaching celebration, a recorded yeah, recorded teaching celebration um, that we did a few months ago. Uh, you, you see that I, I have the utmost admiration for him. I was going to have him come on uh, this podcast to talk about this, um, but we'll, we'll have him on again another time if he's listening to this. We're going to, Joe, the invitation's coming. Um, we'll talk about a book or something. But I think it would, I would have just been gushing uh, <laughs> at him, and it, which, which happens because... Again, he is a very important part of my life. And so the first thing, one of the first memories I have uh, about Joe when I was starting um, working in his classroom is he said, made the statement like, I've never given a test or quiz at all in my class, ever in my class. I'm like, what? What are you talking about? We're teaching math. Like part of math is, you know, you got to do some tests and quizzes. You got to check their understanding. You got to see that. I mean, I know about that. That's assessment. And he's like, no, we, we, what I do have is written learning celebrations. And I'm like, ah, there you go. Written learning celebrations. So, I mean, they looked a lot like tests and quizzes, but written learning celebrations. And just there, that alone was a shift for me. It was an, a, a shift. And, and like, it's taken me a while to like articulate what that shift meant. It meant a lot to me at the time and I hung on to it and I kept it and it's still a part of my teaching. But it like, it took me a while to figure out why it was such a big shift. And I think it, I mean, and I finally got language later on in life about, or later on in my career as a teacher about why that was so significant of that word, just a single word from test to celebration, why that was so important. And thinking about an asset-based perspective on figuring out what students know, test, Test kind of sounds like, do you know it or not? Like, yes or no? Like, and I'm examining you. Like, and it's almost like, a, like, do you know it? Do you? Really? Do you? I'm testing you, right? And no one likes to be tested. Like, like do, you, do you know this? I mean, like, or quizzed or put on the spot, right? To see, can you do it? Can you? It's like a test. It's a test, right? And that's kind of an, an, a deficit perspective. Like, I don't believe you have it. Show me you do. Versus celebrate. Celebrate is kind of an acid base. But hey, You've learned something. What have you learned? Let's celebrate it. We just learned this much, a little bit. Yeah, let's celebrate it. You've learned a lot. Let's celebrate it. You've learned everything. Celebrate it. No matter what, there's something to celebrate. If you've been in the classroom, you've learned anything. You've learned how to put proper labels on a graph. You've learned how to plot points appropriately. You've learned how to interpret that graph. All of those are things that we can celebrate. And, and And that 
has what's been, you know, I was able now to able to articulate why maybe that just single word meant so much to me, so much so, and it stood with me that from then on, never had tests or quizzes. I have celebrations on my syllabus here at the University of Mississippi. We don't have a final exam. We have a final celebration. We're going to celebrate our learning. And then it was about taking this idea about celebration and running with it and thinking about what is that going to lead to. So fast forward to you know, going through my teaching at uh, uh, Sock Prairie High School, and we did celebrations. I would just call, you know, uh, my tests and quizzes celebrations. And, you know, kind of using that same thing, I'd wear Hawaiian shirts to uh, those days where we're going to have a celebration and uh, try to play some good music. And, like, just a little bit of that, just a, that, that was enough. Like, my class would have a little bit different reaction when it came time for those days, for celebration days. Oh, we're doing a celebration. Even though like you could take the word celebration, replace it with test, replace it with quiz, but there's still a little smile when they say, oh, Amadon's got a Hawaiian shirt on. Oh, they were playing celebrate good times. Come on. Like, you know, kids would bring in music and like, hey, we're celebrating today. I can, it's a, oh, it's a celebration day. But still they're kind of smiling a little bit, right? So it wasn't a complete like overhaul of what I did with regards to changing that one word, but a little bit, just a little bit that we're not going to use that word. Cause you know, there's probably some stat I could go out there and look at where, you know, some people would rather have a root canal than have a math test. There's probably some stats out there. And if you know of them, go ahead, send them to me, Joel at amadonplanet.com. Um, and we could find it. We could find something where someone would rather do something awful than have a math test. Right. So maybe just the words was enough. And, and it was for a while. But then fast forward to doctoral, uh, my doctoral work and wanting to do a uh, figure out basically what does teaching math and as, as an act of unconditional love or what does teaching math as agape look like? And then combine that with this idea of assessment being celebration that leads to this basically this article, this math celebration or using assessment to foster relationships between students and mathematics. How can not... How can we take this thing, the math test, that has been a divider, something divisive that's broken the relationships between students and mathematics and with people in mathematics where they don't even see themselves as doers of mathematics, right? Where when you say like, hey, I'm a math teacher, people run away from you like the plague, right? (laughs) People like don't, will admit to like committing crimes rather than being a teacher of mathematics. That's probably not true. But regardless, being... A doer of mathematics is not something that people would put as a thing of pride. And so how do we help repair that relationship or how do we help foster that relationship through something like a celebration of mathematics, right? An assessment of their understanding. And so this, so throughout the, you know, the semester when I was collecting data, I kind of just had this thing, like, how can we use this as a way to develop the relationship and just ran with this idea of celebration, right? So, you, you know, so first that got me thinking, well, if you're going to have a celebration, if you're going to have a celebration for someone's birthday and you're going to have a celebration, what, what do you do in order to tell people about the celebration? Well, you send them an invitation, right? So they can prepare. When is the celebration? Uh, what are we going to do with the celebration so they can bring the appropriate supplies, you know, to be pre- prepared for the celebration? Like, oh, I need a cake. I need a, need a swimsuit. need, a, a, you know, socks because we're going to the trampoline park, whatever, right? And so same thing goes for here. So I would give an invitation 
to the celebration and I would give them the objectives. Hey, here's the objectives in plain language for what we're going to celebrate to see, hey, these are the things that we want you to be able to do. And if you can do them, we're going to, we want you to show evidence of it, to demonstrate understanding of this so we can celebrate what you've learned over the time period of this unit, this lesson, whatever. And then we would also, I would also want them to reflect on the things that they've done so far to prepare themselves and to let them know that, hey, you're not going to this blind. You're not going to this unprepared. Like you're ready for this celebration. And, you know, thinking about it, like you've done this work, like how have you done on your practice? So as, as well as changing the name of uh, tests and quizzes to celebrations, I also changed the names of um, homework. We didn't have homework. We had practice because I wanted them to think about this idea of homework was a chance uh, to practice, to actually to put the skills to use. And just like a practice that you would have for a play or for a sport or for um, an instrument, you're going to make mistakes. And we can do things like having a quality, uh, a quality practice would mean you know, going all out and making mistakes and, and playing things out and, and trying, putting some effort in, doing the things that you can control by like, like in a, a, in a, in a football play to do it full speed, right? Do it full speed. So the same thing for math practice, what was doing at full speed meant? Well, I had an acronym, PARDE, P-A-R-D-E. <laughs> so party celebration. Anyway, P was put a proper heading on the paper. So knowing what you're supposed to be doing. A, all problems completed, do them all. R was required graphs, tables, and equations were completed. D was d describe, explain, and compare questions were answered in full sentences. E is everything is labeled. That was like going all out, was, was doing it full speed. So if they did that, P proper heading, A all problems completed, R required graphs, tables, and equations included, D describe, explain, and compare questions answered in complete sentences, and E everything labeled. If they did the party, P-A-R-D-E, if they did that, they got full credit on the assignment and they did a they went all out on their assignment so that they could then see if they made mistakes. Mistakes were okay, right? But then it was about learning from the mistakes. And then when we, when we went over uh, assignments in class, I would have them make them perfect with like a green pen, right? So it was okay to have mistakes, but then learn from those mistakes. And that was a good practice. So on the invitation, I would say, hey, how have you been doing on your practices? Have you been going all out? Have you been correcting them with the green pen and seeing like, oh, I've been learning from my mistakes. I've been going all out. I've been, I know how the labels go. I, I, I've been doing those. I, I've been putting in the work, just like how you want a, a play practice. You know, if you're about ready to go on a performance for a play, you want them to say, hey, we've been working on this play for weeks. You know the lines. You've done them, Right. It's not like the first time you're going to go out and try to do the play is like you've never actually, you know, talked to the other person that's, that's in your dialogue or monologue or whatever, right? You've actually done the, you've said the words, right? You've did the movements many, many times, so much so that you're just, re you're ready. You're ready to, to, to go do it, to do your performance. And so that's what we saw as celebration was like a performance. You practice so you can have a performance. So in the invitation, we wanted to say, hey, how have you done in your uh, practice? What have, what are the things that you've learned, right? Um, you know, that you've maybe made mistakes. And so get them to reflect on that. And also too, we put another thing like, Hey, do you have any questions? So maybe in, in doing that reflection, like, well, you know what? I still in seeing, here's the objectives and reflecting on my work. I still don't know this. And so they have them write down a question on their invitation. They had to bring their invitation to, um, to the, 
you had to bring your invitation was your ticket to the celebration. And so, and they had to have it filled out. And so when students would come to the celebration, if they had something written down as a question, we would answer it. Like I know some, I've, I've seen some teachers where, you know, they, Hey, I have a question. Can you go over this question before we do the, the test or quiz? And, you know, they'd say, no, you should have learned that already. Well, well, wait a second. If it's a performance and it's like, hey, how do I run this play? You don't just say, well, you should have learned that already. No, no, you want them to be successful. You want them to run that play correctly. Let's go over the play, right? Or let's go over the lines for the performance or for the, for the um, you know, for the musical or whatever. We'd do the same thing for the celebration. Hey, do we have any questions before we before we celebrate and answer those questions. Because if there is this anticipation, this heightened anticipation, this desire to learn, that's an asset, a desire to learn before the celebration. Let's use it. Embrace it. Like, why would you say, no, 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 you should have learned that already. Well, the, well, how is that going into the performance, going into the celebration? <laughs> how are they going to perform knowing that, well, I know I don't know this and the person that I'm looking to to help me is not helping me. That's not a good, that's not fostering a relationship with the content, okay? So one thing that I'd want them to do is ask questions and then let's answer them. So we answer a few questions and that just takes the anxiety down too. And just making sure it's a calm space for people to have the best opportunity for them to celebrate, okay? And so see how we're kind of taking this mindset in and trying to do this whole process. So we have that. So we, we've got the invitation, we've answered questions, and then we have the celebration. And over and over again, it's about demonstrating understanding. If you don't have the understanding, okay, and you can't demonstrate it, that's okay. But you're going to demonstrate under other understanding, whatever. So whatever it is, I want to see what you've under, because also too, this is not just a, an assessment of your understanding of, for the student's understanding of content. It's also an assessment of my teaching because maybe across the board, there is a lack of uh, demonstrating understanding in some objective. Well, that is an assessment of my teaching, but like, oh, I probably didn't go, do a good job there. I need to go back and reteach something, right? And so basically then I would take the assessment uh, the celebration, whatever, you know, take every question and see which objective each item was in line with, right? So if I had four objectives, I'm like, oh, problem one was, you know, this objective, problem two is this objective, so on and so forth. And then I would give a, each, um, each problem would have an assessment score, a rubric score that I would use where, and, and I just basically have these ev evaluation categories that I would use where I would ask in my head, did the, did the student demonstrate understanding on this problem? And I have five responses. Uh, well, one is maybe, and that's where everyone starts is maybe, maybe they do, maybe they do, maybe they don't. Um, and then they would prove one way or the other. And so on the, so maybe was three and then four was yes, but yes, they did. But there was some issues with labeling or some, some sort of detail issue or five was absolutely yes with an exclamation point. And then two would be a no, but no, but they did this part right, or they did this part right, or no, you know, they got the, the right, um, they did some, you know, some strategy right, but then they just didn't execute it appropriately. Or just one is no. Zero means there's no evidence, right? So 
I wanted to give, no matter what, even if it's completely wrong, I wanted to give them a one to show like, hey, you, you did something, right? You did something. You showed me something. I want to celebrate that you tried, right? Again, we're celebrating. We're going we're gonna to celebrate something here, okay? So even if they did them all wrong, they would at least get the one point on each problem. And so then I would take all the problems and group them by objective, and then they would, their score overall would be for each objective, Right, and so we would know. All right, for each objective, they would have an average of their attempts at showing, demonstrating understanding for each objective. I would add them up, average, and then so overall, they would maybe have like a a four point two on objective one, and a three point five on objective two, and a you know maybe a two on objective four, you know, so on and so forth. They would have basically a, a, an average that would correspond to that rubric score. So basically, when I would go back and say have they demonstrated understanding of this objective, I would have a response where it's like, wow, 4.7. Yes, wow, that you did really well. Like maybe there's some detail issues we need to look at, okay? Or 2.1, ooh, you're doing something right, but there's something wrong. There's something we're missing here, okay? And so I would have these, not only I would have those average scores for the students, but I then I could compi- compile them and have average scores for our class. Oh, as a class, how did we do on this objective? As a class, how did we do on this object- on the, the, the other objectives, right? So I'd have those scores, but I'd have individual scores. And then to hand back a celebration. A lot of times we have maybe some traumatic experiences with this, where a celebration comes back, a you know, test or quiz, and there's some number maybe written in red at the top and it's you know like 92 you know a right and all you see is that 92 and a you don't care what the heck there was marked wrong maybe maybe you do maybe you don't but a lot of times you're just folks fixating on that score and the grade and then we're done and there's no learning to go beyond that and so, and then if there's some like a, it's a D or an F or something like that, we're trying to hide it and we don't even, oh, like that, that was a bad test, blah, blah, blah. Well, what I would do is have one-on-one conversations with people. And you're like, one-on-one conversations with everyone? Yes, with everyone. Now, I've seen this done, uh, you know, some people are like, well, can you really do that? Well, one, I did do it. And two, I see this done in elementary classrooms all the time where they have uh, like a, stations where there's one station where people are meeting with the teacher and the other stations that are working on other things. Um, you know, some, maybe some computer stuff, maybe some games and stuff there. And they're, they're getting some one-on-one um, interactions with a teacher, but I would do it too. Cause usually when you had a celebration, you were then starting a new unit, which usually started at a, a level that most everyone would have some sort of entry point into. And for me, I used to teach a lot of stuff in context. So you're kind of dealing in the context and you're trying to make sense of that context together. And I would do group work. So I would basically turn people loose on the group work for the next unit while I was over on the side um, doing these one-on-one conferences. And when people would come over for the one-on-one conference, one, it was a chance to build the relationship with the student. Because a lot of times I represented the content. So if I had a good relationship with the student, they saw that I also had a good relationship with math. And I was like, well, Amadon's good. I got a good relationship with Amadon. Amadon knows math and he seems to be cool with math. Maybe I can be cool with math. I know that seems weird, but I think there's something to it. And then also too, then, so I'd check in with them like, Hey, how's it going? Especially if there's, you know, they've been gone for a while or they were having, you notice some things in class or they're doing some great stuff in class. It was able to touch base with them on a social basis. But then I was able to show them the celebration and be like, Hey, here's what you did on the, each of these objectives, you know, four, four, three, two, 
right? And so like, hey, you showed great um, understanding of these top two objectives, but these other two are things we need to work on. And so maybe we need to do some things or also I could ask them a question and, hey, you did this here explain that. And maybe they would give a verbal explanation. It's like, wait, whoa, whoa, no, they do understand it. And then I could change it. I could say, wow, you do know this. Maybe just, I need to help them figure out how better to express that on a paper. Cause they do need to do paper and pencil assessments and they need, they'll have high stakes assessment in the future. They need to know how to do that. But in that moment, they demonstrated a verbal understanding of that. And if they demonstrate it, I'm going to give them credit for it. And so one, it was a chance to make sure that my understanding of their understanding was good. And then two, it was a chance for them to, you know, uh, ask a question, get better understanding so that we could be better at math. So we would all end up with a better understanding of what they knew and we could properly celebrate what they were demonstrating, right? So even think about that, four, four, three, two. So four plus four is eight, eight plus three is 11, 11 plus two is 13, Okay. 13 out of, that would be 20 points. That's 65%. Some of you are like, well, that's failing. Well, yeah, but think about that. That could be handed, that could have been handed back to a student and here's this failing grade, right? And they see F, they see 65%, they see failing, they see a lot of red, they're done. Versus I get to have that conversation and be like, no, no, no. You demonstrated great understanding of these two objectives and you have to work on these two and possibly maybe I didn't understand your understanding here. Then, oh, we have some clarity. Maybe maybe now they know it. And so on the next time that they're going to be assessed on it, they'll be able to show, demonstrate better understanding. But at least I can show them, no, 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 you have good understanding of these objectives. These are the ones we need to work on. So it's not just, no, math sucks and I'm just going to disengage from it. I'm shamed and I'm going to move away. Dr. Amon Rowe would talk about that a lot, about a shame aspect. And she added that piece to this paper, thinking about the role of shame, trying to minimize shame and show that, no, 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 you, let's have pride in the understanding that you did show and the fact that you actually demonstrated and, and did the work and did a full, we went full out on this celebration and you showed understanding of these two objectives and these are the ones we need to work on. Right? And so that was in the article where, you know, we got to show, have conversations to show them like, hey, you might have done well on these and these are the ones you need to work on. And there was one, an example that was in the article was of um, the student had a lack of understanding about reading a histogram, which is a frequency chart, which um, some, a lot of people do. And once I, he was able to see, hey, here's how you're having a little bit of difficulty in reading the chart, which then helped him do all the other objectives better because if he was having trouble reading the chart, it's kind of hard to answer problems or answer questions related to the chart. And once he had that, guess what? On the next celebration, he had the highest score of all of them. And all because of we're having this little meeting and able to like rectify something, able to bring some clarity, and then he's able to perform even better next time. And so again, fostering that relationship where maybe he just, if he would have gotten the, uh, the, the celebration back with just the number written at the top, he ignores that. He doesn't get that clarified. And that one issue with how to read a histogram could have led to a severed relationship with mathematics versus a better relationship, a, like a great working relationship.
And that's what we want. We want our students to have a great working relationship. And then I got more on the idea about uh, working relationships with mathematics. And you can talk about that uh, that podcast I did way long ago with Sam Edwards about um, uh, teaching math as agape. She was uh, willing to join me to talk about my article in the Journal for Urban Math Education. Anyway, so that whole process is something I talk about in this article. And so, and, and that was uh, something originally described and is in my dissertation and then I was finally able to get it out and published uh, with some with some work uh, with with a lot of colleagues and with inspiration from Doctor from Joe Dye and so I just wanted to just quickly go through some because solo pods are kind of you know listening to me talk for half hour can't be fun but anyway I just I did want to talk about some learnings I had one is the power of teaching and and the power of mentoring as well thinking about Joe Dye putting this like kernel, uh, this planting a seed in me, and then this idea of the celebrations. And then he gets to see the legacy that he put within me, like now took off. I ran with it for 20 years. I've been, you know, thinking about this uh, idea of celebrations and able to put it into play in the dissertation, and then now able to, you know, keep going with that idea through my own teaching here at the university, but then also to put it into an article where who knows who might be reading it. And like, I don't know how big the uh, readership is of the Kappa Delta Pi record, but maybe there's people that read it. Maybe there's people listening to this podcast that can learn from it. And so not only was he pouring, investing in me as a student as a teacher, he was then investing in the, everyone after me who I was able to share this idea with. And I know there's some of my students who had celebrations as well, which is awesome. And thinking about that there's folks going in to demonstrate their understanding where there's less anxiety about showing what they know, which is amazing. Okay. Um, so then that's the, you know, the power of teaching. There's also the power of collaboration. Again, this, I tried to get this thing out 10 years ago, this article and it, it didn't fly. And it was like, I kind of had blinders on because I was just, you know, I, I, I looked at it so much and like, like, well, what's wrong with it? And like, you know, you get rejected about an article and they give you feedback. And like, I just didn't want to see it because it, it was kind of like, kind of like the negative uh, grade on the paper on the, on the test. Right. I just wanted to shove it away. I'm like, ah, I don't want to look at it. And I really didn't look at it for years. And finally able to Hey, bring people into the mix. Hey, can you take some look at this? Here's some feedback I got. Let's try to get this out into another thing. And each of them not only added value to the piece, but then helped me to reshape it into something that could get shared. Because otherwise it just would have sat in my desktop and that's really not doing anything to anyone. And those are, through the power of collaboration is able to, to get this out. Also, there's the power of patience. Sometimes it does take just a while to get through this stuff and or that you know, maybe it just needs to sit for a little bit and it's not the right timing um, also as well. So patience of working with it and seeing like, hey, is this going to be something that actually is going to come out? And it does. And so uh, I, I call these sorts of papers uh, purgatory papers that they kind of sitting in the, uh, sitting for a while. And it's like, maybe I'm just looking for the right collaboration or to get this out the board. So there's something about, something about having that uh, patience. And finally... The power of a pocket-sized philosophy statement. So I talk about this on with 
with thinking about portfolios and thinking about my undergraduates, I want them to have this pocket size philosophy statement, which is something that they carry around. You know, so that we have them write, we have our undergraduates here at the University of Missouri write a uh, teaching philosophy paper where we read some Dewey, we read some you know other sort of you know educational philosophers, and they have to come up with their own sort of ideas about what they stand for and what their position is as a educator. And so what do they believe in? Kind of like put your flag in the ground and say, this is who I am. This is who I believe in. And so, and, and I call it, and so that paper is, is big and, and maybe they're putting some things where they haven't quite seen it in practice. So they're kind of, it's kind of pie in the sky sort of stuff. But the pocket size philosophy statement is about condensing that thing down into something that they can carry with them to help them make decisions, right? And so, you know, I give some examples about, uh, my first one was about wanting my students to succeed in mathematics. That was a very easy pocket-sized philosophy statement. That's what my contract would say. Hey, you're a math teacher. You want your students to succeed in mathematics. And so you could also look at what's the definition of success. And so you could look at John Wooden, whose definition of success is about using, kind of using the gifts you have have to their maximum ability. And so there's something about differentiation in there and like success in math. Great. All right. Well, that philosophy statement gets evolved when it meets, when it kind of meets the uh, real world, right? And meets practice. And so I always talk about my first change in my philosophy statement was, hey, I had a student that was successful in my class. He was getting good grades. He was showing great understanding. And, but he wasn't very kind to his peers. And it's like, do I feel, do I feel successful in that? My philosophy say, I'm, I'm executing my philosophy. He's successful in math. Like, no, 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 I need to change it. So successful in math and in life. So my philosophy statement, my pocket size philosophy statement changed. And so that was something that like evolved. So that helped me again, make decisions. And it's like, it's this back and forth between real life practice and then having this sort of philosophy that I can then rub off of. So when it comes time to make a decision, I can use that pocket size philosophy statement to make a decision about what I want to do. Well, fast forward to when I was doing this dissertation work and kind of my thing was on, well, what does teaching math as agape look like? Like what is teaching as an act of unconditional love? And so taking this idea of celebrations and, and thinking about what does it look like in practice and doing and rubbing it off this idea of, well, what does it mean to have show unconditional love and to give irrespective of merit to my students? And that back and forth led to developing this process. A lot of them like, well, what does it look like? What does it look like? And so there is something there to have this sort of like, I don't know, mantra or thing that you carry with you that you can use to do the kind of live consistently. Right. And so, you know, that's why a mission vision statement, some people roll their eyes at it, but one, if you know it and you can carry it with you and you can use it to make decisions, there's not something to roll your eyes at. That's something that's powerful. Right. Right now, my current like philosophy statement is my pocket size philosophy is to lead people to love others through teaching. And so part of that is about putting out a podcast, right? Leading people to love others through teaching and sharing like, hey, maybe this inspires somebody else to write down a pocket-sized philosophy statement and think about, or maybe you have a pocket-sized philosophy statement and look at your own practice, say like, how am I being consistent with this? Or where are my inconsistencies? Or what do I need to do to get better um, at living this out? And so maybe that's it. Maybe I just lead people to love others through their teaching just through this podcast. So... I'm excited that this finally got out there. I'm excited to start another semester. Um, there's, you know, student teachers and cooperating teachers are going to start getting together in the near future. There's, I'm going to have a new crop of uh, 
student teacher is going to be coming into my methods classroom. And it's, there's power in those relationships. Uh, I mean, just thinking about the power that Joe Dye had over me or, or, and just thinking about the power that other teachers have had in my life, like Mr. Bolden, Mrs. Meyer, I mean, uh, Mr. Schaefer, <laughs> Mr. Zahorek. I mean, all these educators I could go through in my life and thinking about what they have meant to me in my development as a teacher and to think about what's going to be happening in schools this fall. That's kind of exciting. And don't, I guess for all the teachers out there, if you're thinking about that relationship, there is power in it. And thinking about what you can do to not only teach and celebrate what you're doing within the classroom, but also think about the legacy that you're leaving with a student. Right? It's not, it doesn't end when the bell rings. It doesn't end when the year ends. That there could be something you could give a love for your subject, a love for your content, foster that relationship with the content that you're teaching. And just even the love of learning and just thinking about how you can, you're, you're going to be one way or the other. You're going to help or you're going to hurt, right? And to be on the helping side, to help foster that relationship. And we have power there, right? So that's it. Excited to get back into podcasting. It took a little bit of break for the summer. Tried to have a summer. Um, but we got some exciting things coming up. Um, some books we're going to be talking about. Going to reshape some conversations a little bit. But it was excited that this uh, article came out and wanted to celebrate it a little bit. <laughs> no pun intended. And uh, yeah, let's get, back into, let's get back into doing what we do best and learning about teaching better. So... That is all I have for this episode of the Amazon Planet Podcast. Show notes for the podcast can be found at amazonplanet.com forward slash episode 76. If you're looking at ways to support the podcast, you can subscribe to the podcast wherever you get it. And when you do that, the others that are looking for similar content can find it. You can also rate and review. You can also share it with others that you think might want to hear something about, well, about celebrations, maybe. You can also uh, look for me on all the socials at Amadon Planet on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, or like the Amadon Planet Facebook page. Um, yeah, that's all we're going to do for today. So thank you for listening to this episode of the Amadon Planet podcast. Uh, thanks to Ann Monroe, Eric Avent, Scarlett McCombs for sharing their expertise for this article and helping me get it out into the world. Thanks to Joe Dye for sharing his expertise and inspiration for this article. Uh, thanks to Matt Midland for the music in this episode. And finally, thank you you out there who are seeking to teach better and be the good in the world by investing in the lives of others. This world is a better place because you have decided to use the gifts you've been given to serve others. Thank you for all that you do. Peace. Peace.